Welcome to the sermons and teachings from the Catalyst Fellowship with Ipai Michael. We hope the message you're about to listen to will edify you and cause you to experience exponential growth. And now, the message. You see, there are two extremes that exist in the world today with regards to what I'm about to do. And these positions can take a philosophical or scientific or metaphysical perspective now. You don't need to know what that means. You just need to know that people view it differently, right? People come from different perspectives when they want to what I'm about to teach you. And the first extreme refers to people who believe that nature is all that there is. That is, there is nothing outside the natural world and natural order of things. And these people are sometimes called naturally, all right? They believe that nature is all that exists and there's nothing beyond nature. Everything that we find in the world explained in nature. Are you getting what I'm saying? And then the second extreme referred to those people who believe that everything that exists in the world is supernatural. Meaning everything we do is controlled by something supernatural. You probably have met people like that before. Have you seen people that, you know, they just hit their leg on a stone and they're like, oh my God, if I'm not going to meet the person I'm going to, you know. Have you ever heard that before? Yeah, you're right, you probably heard that before. <laughs> you know, or people that attribute everything in their life to the devil. Or have you seen people who think that crossing through cobweb means bad luck? You, you've heard that before, right? How many of you have heard that as well? How about whistling at night? Did you ever know why whistling at night is not good? They just tell you don't whistle at night. So attract me. <laughs> well, it's all. But so there are some people who believe that everything in the world has a supernatural origin and that there's something behind the scene controlling everything in the world and nothing occurs naturally. There's something behind it. And now it's not surprising to see that both these views are wrong. Are you listening to me? Both these views are what? They're wrong. There's something fundamentally wrong with this view. So open your Bibles, Genesis chapter 1, everybody. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. The Bible says, In the beginning, God created what? The heavens and the earth. I want us to read together. One, two, go. In the beginning, verse 2, what does it say? The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. Hallelujah. There's a lot to explain about this text, but today is not the day. I'm just going to do a bit of an explanation to the creation story. The Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It says the earth was without form, and it was void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. Now, darkness there is synonymous to chaos. The world was in a chaotic form. There was darkness everywhere. And the Bible says, in verse 3, it says, then God said, can we read together one to go? Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Verse 4, everyone. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and called what? The night. He called darkness what? Night. And then let's read the next part. It says, so the evening and the morning were what? The first day. So, we easily realize that you know, the first light that the Bible was talking about here was not talking about the sun and the moon. And how do we know that? Well, I've taught you before that the Bible should be read in what? In context. The old in the context of the new and the new in the context of the old. That is, we read the Old Testament in the lens of the new and the new with the origin and the context of the old. So when we go into the New Testament, you know, we see that this light here is not sun and moon, but the declaration of the light of the gospel. Apostle Paul speaks about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. He says, For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. He says, Who has shown in our heart to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Do you see that? That the same God that caused light to shine, it's God that caused the light to shine out of darkness. And that light that is calling to shine out of darkness is not just a light out of darkness, but is a mirror, a figure of the light of the gospel which is shown in our hearts today. Amen. Are you getting this? 
In Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 2, the Bible says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. So, the gospel metaphorically is called a light. Are you learning something? Metaphorically, the gospel is called a light. It says, those who dwell in the land of the shadow of death. Do you see that? So, darkness, he was talking about that. It says, upon them as light shined. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 19, the Bible says, And so we have a prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. Do you see that? So, the light shining in the darkness is actually a figure of the light shining in your heart. Is this clear to everybody? If you understand, say, I understand. All right. So, let me say, I understand with your, your back and <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, let's go back to Genesis. We're going to read verse 6 now. The Bible says, Then God said, Let there be firmaments in the midst of the waters. Let it divide the waters from waters. Thus, God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. So, in the evening and the morning were the second day. Hallelujah. They were the second day. Now, one thing you begin to see from this story is that there is sort of like a functional creation that is going on here. And Jesus is assigning things and putting order to the chaos that is available. We're seeing a functional assignment. That's what I'll call it. To created matter. What did I say? We're seeing a functional assignment to created matter. He's not telling you how he created the firmament. He's telling you how he divided the firmament above from the firmament below, which made heaven and earth. Are you learning something? Are you following me? What I'm saying, and today is not the day to explain it. You might not get it. But what I'm saying ultimately is that what God is doing here is that he's not telling you how he created water as matter. Neither is he telling you how he created the sky as matter. What we are seeing in Genesis is a functional assignment of created matter. Let the light be this. Let the darkness be this. Let the firmament be this. You will see what I'm saying. Um, in verse 9, the Bible says that God said, Let waters under the heaven be gathered together into one place, and let dry land appear. Amen. So, you see that? He is assigning and bringing order to the chaotic nature of created matter. And this is not to say God did not create the world. This is to say the account in Genesis is sort of giving you a functional assignment to how the things work. And in verse 10 it says, And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters he called sea. And God saw that it was good, then said, Let the earth bring forth grass, and the herb that yield seed, and the fruit trees that yield fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth. And it was so. So what are we seeing here? God is giving order to a chaotic world. But not just order. He creates a system. Hey, are you learning something? He what? He creates a system. Now, he has created what you call an aquatic world by separating the seas from the land. Hey, are you getting this? And then at the same time, he has created another system of land people. So when you begin to learn in biology that there are mammals, there are amphibians, there are and they are classified based on where they live, well, that order and that system was put in place by God. Are you seeing what I'm saying? It was put in place by who? By God. And now we are also seeing that God wanted to, you know, create vegetation, but what did he do? He put a system of reproduction. In the tree, he says that they should bear fruit that reproduce after death. So, what is going on here is very simple. Now, a plant has been made, but God doesn't want to come and be making five million plants, not because he cannot do it, but he was setting a system to make the world function. So, he says every tree should produce fruit after itself. 
You see that? So there is continuous reproduction and replication of the tree. It means that every living thing, Mr. Niger D, has the ability to reproduce no matter what state it is in. Are you seeing what I'm saying? It doesn't matter what it is. You know, it's so beautiful that flowers can reproduce after themselves by pollinating. So a, a goat comes to eat the flower, it carries the seed, but that, in that seed is another of that flower. Are you listening to me? In that seed is another of that flower. God has put in it a system of creation where creation in itself carries the power to recreate without God actively being involved. Are you learning something? Without God actively being involved. So every tree would reproduce and continue to grow a vegeta vegetation as long as the world exists. This here is what we call the natural law. Are you see what I'm saying? Modern nature, modern nature. There is no mother. It's the natural law that God instituted. Amen. In verse 12, the Bible says, And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the third day. Then God said, Let there be light in the firmaments of the heaven to divide the day from the night, and let there be for signs and seasons for days and years. Let them be for light of the firmament of the heaven to give light on earth, and it was so. It was so. Then God made two great lights. So now is the creation of the sun and the moon. Are you seeing this? That first light is not for seasons. It's not for day and night. Mind you, the first day and the second day the Bible recorded was not the chronological counting of death of humankind. No. That is why the Bible can say that we are in his Sabbath. The Sabbath is a day. So, it means that every day that preceded the seventh day in creation was not a day of going to bed in human kind of day counting. No. Are you getting this? Meaning that if we enter into the Sabbath of the Lord, which is the day of the Lord, and biblically we are in the day of the Lord, the Sabbath day, not the day of judgment, but the Sabbath of the Lord, it means that that day has nothing to do with sun and the moon. So when the Bible was saying the first and the morning and the evening, it was day one, well, sun and moon were not created. And he just told you that sun and moon is what you use to count day, years, seasons, and time. So that day counting in that time was not the counting of day as per morning and afternoon that you know today. It was the only way the writer could document that a period has passed. Is this clear? Let me explain. If the sun and the moon is how you count day and night, and the sun and the moon had not been created, everything that God was creating before the sun and the moon, where the Bible says this is day one, day two, day three, is not day as you thought it was. Why is someone about to open like, did I just spoil your childhood? <laughs> Everything you thought you knew? Well, it could not have been. Because now, the Bible is saying, in verse 14, God said, let there be light in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. Let them be for signs and seasons for days and years. So it is this new light is about to create that will give day. That will give year, that will give seasons. In verse 16, it says, And God made two great lights. The greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. Please, are you seeing this? So, what this is talking about is this there will be seasons, there will be signs, there will be cycles because God has instituted what we call the solar system. How will year be counted? Well, 365 revolutions of the sun. I see what I'm saying here. This is a system that God does not have to hold it and tell it go. 
He just says, keep spinning around when you roll. So, what science is doing is a... <laughs> what science is doing is a realization of the work that has already been done. They are just discovering. It's a discovery. That's the system that God has put in place. So, the counting of the years, he says, you know what? These two lights that I have made are the ways that years will be counted, signs will be counted, you know, seasons will be counted. You know that's how seasons are counted also, by the revolution. So, there was a creation of the solar system as well. So, naturalism in itself, which is all of these things I've explained to you, is not a proof of the lack of the existence of God, but actually a proof of the existence of God. Because God instituted natural laws that they may sustain themselves outside of him. In quotes. So, the natural law shows you that if there is a law, well, there must be a legislator of the law. And that cannot be man, because the law also legislates man. Did you hear what I said? If there are laws in the world of the way things work, there must be a legislator of that law. What I mean is someone must put that law in place. Someone must have set the systems in place. And that person cannot be man because that system binds man as well. Hallelujah. Are you learning something? So the Bible says in verse 17, God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from darkness. So now this light from darkness is not the first one. It's not the gospel. This one is the actual light from darkness that you know. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Then God said, Let the waters abound with abundance of living creature. Let birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmaments of heaven. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves with which the waters abounded according to their kind and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. This brings us back to those two extremes. So both the naturalist and the one who believes that everyone and everything rather is supernatural, they are both right and they are both wrong. They are both right because yes, all things came from the supernatural as it were. So the person who believes that all things are supernatural is partly right because yes, all things have a supernatural origin which is who? Which is God. Are you seeing that? Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3, the Bible says, By faith we understand that the world were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were made of things, were not made of things which are vis visible. Meaning that the things that we see are not from other things that we can see. They are from a supernatural place. Is this clear to everybody? They are from a supernatural place. But at the same time, because God has set natural laws in the world, things would occur naturally without any supernatural intervention. And so that's why the writer of Ecclesiastes can say that there is a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck, a time to kill, a time to heal. Because there is a chronological way that things would happen that has no supernatural intervention. So they are both right and they are both wrong. Are all things natural without the involvement of the supernatural? Well, because they occur without supernatural intervention, yes. But don't forget, they were made that way by something supernatural. And are all things supernatural? Well, no. Because they occur naturally without the intervention of any supernatural thing. But is there a supernatural backing who sets them in motion? Yes, there is. Does that make sense? So, things would happen naturally. Not because God caused it, or because anything supernatural caused it, but just because they are laws. If they slap you, you will feel pain. That's the natural order of life. Have they slapped your neck here before? doesn't matter who you are, that's in the pain. Why would you look for a place to slap somebody and his back of neck? 
There were teachers that invented ways of flogging I've never seen before. Why would you flog somebody under his leg? On his feet? Why? Why would you use cane to flog somebody here? Why would you use ruler to flog the back of my fingers? For Christ's sake, are you a terrorist? What is wrong with you? But you will feel pain. Because that's the natural way things are supposed to happen. You know, Nigerians, we respect nature. We respect the laws of this land. In Africa, we respect it. That's why we don't play with zoo. Not all of us went to zoo. That's why you see videos of us that Ryan is eating in Nigeria, man. Well, it, do, it doesn't happen. Like, me and you. Or Cliff. We went to top of Cliff and we fell down. Twitter will now carry its bizarre story. Nigerian woman fell. It doesn't happen. Highest. We will stay three miles away from it and say, ah, that's the cliff. Oh. Let's go. We don't even want to go kill him Everest. Hiking. What is a hike? Even on the rock, safe, I did not go. What is a hike? My grandpa said our lineage did not used to go close to water. So I don't go back beach until I was I was an adult to even go to the beach. So we are very how we see a video of a guy lion is holding his hand. Are you okay? One guy walked into panda this and he went to hug the panda. The panda wanted to kill him. Because he's cute. You have got kung fu panda, you think? <laughs> you think this is legend of awesomeness? The thing choke hold him like this. We don't play with that. Natural laws. Wild animal, the turtle is wild. You see all these men in Dubai, you have lion. I mean, who in Nigeria is buying lion? I've seen videos of some ladies, you train jaguar with your dog. The jaguar, you now grow up, you now say, this is so beautiful, I wish I can have it. Or we hear stories, python killed the baby, say, because the python always takes care of the baby for us. Ordinary cats in our, in Nigeria. It's my dog that I release for it, Sydney. Whoa! You are crying at my window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My father will pray all night. <laughs> all night! <laughs> oh, strange bed. You see, how many of you, if you see owl by your window, you will not do night vigil. Your parents will not do night vigil. You know how owls look at me. You know how their face looks to them. That's why you will know that. They, they will say they've sent someone to us. Well, what I'm saying is natural laws. Exist. Things happen in Python. If you kill Python, it will bite you. It might not be today, but it's natural mode. It's too bad. It will bite you. If you keep lion, if the chop bro, it might lick you like dog today. Just try it. Starve a lion and put it. No matter who you are to the lion, it will chop you. Even dog will still manage. Amen. So, natural laws exist. Things will happen. The way they need to happen. But the mistake we would make is to think that because there are natural laws, no supernatural thing can exist in the world. Because the supernatural can superimpose on the natural. Did you hear me? The supernatural can what? Can superimpose on the natural. The Bible is replete with examples of this, but even outside the Bible, we experience everyday things that point us to the fact that there's something beyond us. Something beyond us. Have you ever walked in a place before and you felt like I've been here before? Someone is going to come in from that place and someone comes in from that place. You know, science explains it as your, your brain trying to recollect a past event and filling it up with current events. But what science cannot explain is that I'm always right that someone will come in from that place and the person actually comes in from the place. That's not a memory. That's a prophecy. That's not a memory. How am I always correct when I say, ah, I feel this, this, this. This is going to happen now. And it happens. I'm not even talking about deja vu. In deja vu, it has happened. You now say, ah, I feel like this has happened before. I'm saying you know what is going to happen and it happens the way you saw it. Who knows what I'm talking about? So, <laughs> science can try to explain. But it just feels like, have you ever felt like someone was like, 
you have eyes at your back, so that you feel like someone is looking at you, and you look back and someone is actually looking at you. Does it happen when nobody is looking at you? Have you been in your house? Nothing happened. You just have goosebumps and all the hair on your body just stood up. Nothing, nothing is happening. I was praying one day. All of a sudden, I just got very cold. I ran to a corner. I called up. I was so, I was like, what's going on? I didn't open my eye. That was the first day that I did Believer's Authority. I just stood up, I ran to the place, I said, Whatever you want to do, I die here. I ran to the direction, I was doing like this, in the name of Jesus. Then that was when I found that nothing was there again, when I finally opened my eyes. I was already like, ah, this thing should injure me. So, we, we, we feel it many times, many ways, that there's something beyond here. And yes, I'm not even using Bible examples yet. I'm even just talking about the natural. You know, I was reading an article today of something called Ouija board. How many of you have ever heard of that before? Ouija board or something like that. If you like, say some one guy says muscle memory that your mind, the, your your body will move to the place of things that you are familiar with. But how do you explain that a lady told four-year-old children she's an atheist? She told four-year-old children to spell words that they cannot spell at their age. And by moving the board, they spelled it correctly. Like something else was assisting them to get the spelling. Are you listening to me? Like something else was... The person even invented it. He said, well, the woman said, what should I name you? And the thing spelled Uichi. And he said, what does it mean? And the thing spelled good luck. I was watching a video on it just today, just before this teaching. Just before this teaching. I remember I was preaching to one guy in Harvest here in Windsor. I went to him. He didn't believe in God. But he said the one thing is that his auntie died. And there is a supernatural occurrence that happened with their family picture. Almost like they saw his auntie in the picture. But they can't explain how it happened. He does not believe in God though. But he said that one thing made him know that there is something beyond us. Amen. Me, you know that there's, there's something beyond here. Hallelujah. Is that what I'm saying? Have you had dreams and they happen the exact way you had the dreams? I'm not even talking believer type of dream that God said you saw things in your dream. They happened. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 13, it says then, you know, let me even give you some examples if I read Exodus 3. All these horoscope things, have you not seen it? How do you remember when Charlie Charlie was trending on Twitter? Is there scientific explanation for Charlie Charlie? Let me ask you. Did they give you scientific explanation for Charlie Charlie? Even these white people know. They just use branding to cover it. All this horoscope is witchcraft now. It's branded witchcraft. You are reading these guys. Wise men. You know, Bible use wise men for them. Talk about Babalao. <laughs> they are reading the stars. It's branded witchcraft they are doing now. You see, so you say, have you seen this one they are doing on Twitter? My angel number. You are, who knows what I'm talking about? You are calling angels you don't know. Now branded juju. That's what it is. They might have run all of them out of town. They might have bombed the witches in many years ago, but they are still practicing in unconventional ways. When you read church history, do you know? That it is true the story of what do they call it now? We we call it deliverance. They call it a name. What was that name they call it? In horror movies, they use that name. Exorcism. Yes. Do you know that there are true stories of it? This one, true. If you thought it was a lie, why are all of them experiencing the same thing? Why are they scared of the cross? What? This is US history, it's not Nigerian history. All these things you see in horror movies, they were stories told that they are trying to recreate. And you get what I'm saying? Do I believe that there were some people that it was not spiritual and they just thought it was spiritual? Yes, I think so. But do I think all of them are, are that? No. I think there were real cases where people were possessed with devils. 
In Exodus chapter 3, verse 13, the Bible says, Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers have sent me, and they say, Who is his name, or what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. Tell them, I am sent you. The Hebrew there is Hayah. That word is Ayah, Asha, Ayah. So, it, what he's saying is, I am. Actually, it is I am, I am, he said. The only way to make sense of I am, I am is to say, I am who I am. Are you clear what I'm saying? What he's trying to say, I am, is the word, that Ayah there is the word that was used when the Bible says, when God said, let there be light. Let light exist. So, what God was saying to tell them is that I exist. Meaning, I would be to man what I need to be to man. I would be to man what man needs per time. Can I tell you the ultimate meaning of that? It means that God is transcendent over the natural world. I can do what I want to do. I can be who I need to be. That's the meaning. I can be who I want to be. He's transcendent. He's free to act. He's free to act in history, to reveal, to create, to sustain, to redeem, to heal, to judge. He's free. He's free to imprint his gospel in the life of Israel, Israelites. Do you know what that means? That even though they had free will, God superimposed, not by taking their free will, but making it necessary that everything they did in their free will communicated his plans. Ah, ah, that's transcendence. That God can still give you free will, and in your free will, he's still sovereign. Meaning, in your mind, you are doing what you want, and he's not controlling you. But he can make the story turn out that it will be what he wants ultimately that happens. Ah, that's transcendence. So people are fighting sovereignty versus free will. You are a baby. God is truly sovereign because he can give you free will and the sovereignty was not lost. Did you hear what I said? Did you hear what I said? In your free will, the sovereignty is not lost. So Israel, they made all their decisions. Now you are reading their story and you are seeing the gospel in their life and God did not control them. So now you are saying that Cain and Abel was a story of acceptable sacrifice and God did not control them. They just lived their life. And God knew how to ultimately make their whole life and destiny be a prophecy of salvation. I believe that there is the natural world. But I believe there is a God that can superimpose the natural you know, he can even do it in such a way that it will not look as though he broke any natural law. And he's not scared of breaking natural laws as well. Amen. I think you know what I'm talking about. A healing is supposed to take six months. In two days, it happens. And you're saying it's not a healing, it's natural. You don't know anything. C.S. Lewis said something in his book. I want to read that book. I, I, I just saw it today while I was just preparing this. It's called Miracles. He defended the supernatural in our world. It's called Miracles. He said something in that book. He said you can never truly know what is supernatural if you don't know what is natural. Meaning, if you don't have an understanding of natural laws, you will not know when they've been broken. Your friend, the doctor said the recovery rate of this injury is three months. He's playing ball the next day. Me, I remember Amelia. Strangely, Amelia was my first disciple, and Alex, they they were my first disciples. So, Amelia had a cast on her leg. She had injured. I went to Backpack. I saw the cast. I said, remove it. If some of you, you say, Pastor, the doctor said, she's a doctor. The doctor said she should not remove it. And she herself should be a doctor. She said, you said it. Me, I was even scared that, ah, no go, make the injury no go worse fast in this thing. But I said, Lord, I believe. You know, you know when you correct yourself, say, hey, hey. I believe, I believe, I believe. Lord, this thing is going to go. I 
think her faith more than my faith healed her that day. So the next day she came to see me in the guest house where they put me. She was not wearing it and she was walking. I said, ah, what happened? She said, I said, you're not wearing it, protecting it. She said, no, sir, you have prayed for it, it's gone. I said, how much pain do you feel? She said, just, she said, I mean, yes, the day before it was a lot, but she said she was just still feeling tiny. But before that day passed, it was totally gone. She was supposed to wear that leg brace for longer. If you don't know what the natural is. So, doctors will call it act of God or unexplainable healing. Because people are scared of using the word miracle. Because the moment they admit the word miracle, they admit a God. Are you getting what I'm saying? They admit that there is a God. That's the logic. But if you know what is natural and you see something different, you know that not everything in our world is ordinary. So, in Colossians chapter 1 verse 16, the Bible says, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through and for him. So God is transcendent. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12, the Bible says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, you see? So they are principalities and powers, they are rulers of darkness of this age, they are spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's not only the natural that exists. The supernatural can superimpose on the natural. Isaiah chapter 55, the Bible says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For heaven is higher than earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. God is transcendent. God is big. He can do what he wants to do. Ecclesiastes 5.2 Do not be rash with your mouth. And let not your heart utter anything hastily before God, for God is in heaven and you on earth. He's trying to show you the transcendent nature of God. Because the God of Christianity is transcendent. He is not restricted to act from within patterns of nature. No. He is free to act in whatever way he wants. So why did I say all of this? I said all of that to say, that when it comes to your life and the way that you live it every day, you must first realize that God can be involved. Other than the natural way that things are going, God can be involved. Do you believe that? God can be involved in such a way that things will look natural, but it is naturally supernatural. Ah. Amen. It is naturally supernatural. God can intervene. Things will not always follow the natural course. There are certain things that God wants to do in your life that will not follow the natural course of the way things should do. There are things He wants to do that cannot be explained ordinarily. There are things He wants to do. Are you getting what I'm saying? Miracles exist today. The supernatural is real and active today. There is a whole biblical history that is painted or predicated rather on supernatural involvement of God. I'll say that again. There's a whole biblical history that is predicated on the supernatural involvement of God in a natural world following the people of Israel. Did you understand what I just said? Meaning we have a whole track record of a life of some people that is based on supernatural involvement. Let me tell you something. The children of Israel only moved at a point in time when they burned an incense in the holies of holies and the incense goes to the cloud and whatever direction the cloud turns, is where they go. So, even though they were in wilderness, God led them out of the desert with smoke. Do you know what I said? God. So, <laughs> ah, did you hear what I just said? There is a whole history of people in the Bible that were led by smoke. <laughs> the whole history of Israel is predicated on the involvement of God. They won all their battles by doing what God asked them to do. And the moment they stopped, they lost all their battles. If nothing shows you that God can be involved. So, they are fighting. And God said, 
Make sure your hand is like this, so if it goes like this, you will lose. So in battle, Joshua Tikola wrote Moses' hand like this. The success of a battle is dependent on hand position. There is a whole history of people that is based on supernatural involvement. How will hand determine how many people die in battle or who wins a battle? I with me, I'll just construct wood. Just put that like this. <laughs> I will shock the hand. That hand must be like this. Are <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Don't let anybody deceive you. There is a whole history. They might try to erase it, but thank God for the written word. Ah! Thank God for the written word. Thank God. So, someone like Jordan Peterson is speaking the Bible and seeing the wisdom of God. And even though he's not a Christian, he's telling people that the only way they can live their life rightly is by the law of God. Ah! Wow. Wow, wow, wow. That is the first objective, that's the first color that I've seen reading the Bible objectively, and that was his conclusion. He looked at the Old Testament and the New, and he saw that if these many things were said here and they were fulfilled here, well, there must be a God that is connecting the dots. Are you learning something today? I hope you're learning something today. So, miracles exist. God gives gifts to men, and there is such a thing as the grace. What did I say? There is such a thing as the grace of God. Let's do an exercise. How many of you listening to me now think I sound like somebody you heard before? This whole teaching, its structure, its tone, its approach. Who do I sound like? <laughs> Has he ever taught this sermon before? Yes, sir, yes. This sermon, he had never taught it. This one that I'm preaching. God gives gifts to men. There is something called the graces of God. That's what my exercise, that's what that exercise is about. I said something. The moment I said, I said all of this to say this, instantly, I pictured him preaching. My tone, my pronunciations, my approach, my gestures, even my jokes. They are not exactly the same jokes in crap. I know what I'm saying. The places, the jokes come in, everything. The reason why I gave you that analogy is to let you know that there is something called the grace of God and it can be communicated. Do you know why I asked if he has thought this before? Because you might think I am a copycat of him. But so that you know that this is not a copy of his work, I'm clarifying that he has never thought this. Or at least I've never heard him teach this. Are you getting what I'm saying? I've never heard him teach this. Hallelujah. So, Listen, there is something called the grace of God. And in this context I'm talking about, because the grace of God is in many contexts, are you, are you with me? There is a salvific context where it comes, and in, in that context, it has to do with, you know, the grace of God available to a person for salvation. But in this context I'm talking about, I'm not talking about that salvific context, I'm talking about the gift of God that can cause things to work in the direction of God's plan for your life. I'm talking about the context that can superimpose natural laws just because of what God wants to do in your life. There is such a thing as the grace of God. The Greek word is charis. C-H-A-R-I-S. The Bible says in Luke chapter 2 and verse 40, it says, and the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. That was talking about the favor of the Lord for whatever he wanted to do. Romans chapter 1 verse 5, the Bible says, and we 
and by, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience of faith among the nations. So, there is grace that can cause an obedience of nations. So, there is such a thing as the grace of God, which is a gift of God. It can command favor. It can command obedience. I just see what I'm saying. Naturally, unless you are a celebrity, people should not run after you, but there is a grace that can make people want to hear you. Ah! So this is breaking the natural course and the natural order that you know. Romans chapter 12, verse 6. The Bible says, having then gifts differently, or differing rather, according to the grace that is given us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of it. So it says having gifts according to the grace that is given us. So the grace of God can also make gifts available. 1 Corinthians 15, 10. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 10. The Bible says, But by grace, by the grace of God, I am what I am. This is not salvific grace. This is not salvific grace. He says, By the grace of God, I am what I am. That is, what you see today is as a result of a supernatural favor that causes things to flow in the direction of what God wants to do in my life. It says, And His grace, which was bestowed upon me, so grace can be bestowed on a person was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which is in me. That a man can see that he labored, but he knows that the outcome of his life is not a result of his labor, is a result of a gift of grace from God to him. Second Corinthians chapter 8 verse 1, the Bible says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches in Macedonia. So, a church can bestow a grace. That when you see any member of their church, you know that the grace on that ministry rests on that church. Paul was telling the Corinthian church to look at the grace of God that was upon the Macedonians. So there was grace even for giving. That is, they gave more than the natural way they would have been able to give. <sighs> Are you seeing the breaking of natural laws? The grace. The grace. 2 Corinthians 9.8 It says, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound unto all good works. So grace can also be in form of sufficiency. You know what sufficiency means? You will never lack anything. That's me what you need to do. There is grace for that. What I'm teaching you is that there is such a thing as the grace of God. Are you learning something? There is such a thing as the grace of God. That is not natural. Don't forget it. Don't ever forget it. Galatians 2.9 says, And when James, Cephas, and John, who seem to be pillars, Perceived the grace that was given unto me. They gave to me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship that we should go unto the heathen and they unto the circumcision. So, there is a grace that can follow the assignments that God has given you. There is grace for the assignment. Meaning, other people might be sent, but if they don't have the grace, they cannot have it as easy as you. Are you learning something? Ephesians chapter 3 verse 7 Whereof I was made a minister according to you see he calls it the gift of the grace of God so the grace of God is a gift you don't earn it and you see what I'm saying the grace of God is what is a gift you don't earn it he says according to the gift of the grace of God even the word grace is actually from the word gift Charis is actually gift. Charisma is gift of the Spirit. 
You see what I'm saying? So, grace is a gift bestowed on you. It says that according to the gift of the grace of God, given unto me by the effectual working of his power. 2 Timothy 2 1. I want you to read this with everything you have. It says, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. James 4, 6. Pay attention and read this in your room. One, two, God. The Bible says, but he gives more grace. He gives more grace. Wherefore, he said, God resists, but give grace to the humble. He gives more grace. He gives more grace. God gives gifts of grace. We're talking about a supernatural endowment of the mercies and favor of God in whatever direction needed. God gives grace. God gives grace. God gives grace. This is possible. This is real. God gives grace. He gives grace. He communicates giftings and abilities through his spirit living in us. He gives grace. And one of the many things that believers have not learned to see is that even though these graces are by the Spirit, they can be communicated. Did you hear what I said? Even though these graces are by the Spirit, they can be communicated. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 4, the Bible says, And we have such trust through Christ towards God, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who has made us sufficient ministers of the new covenant. It is not of the letter, but of the spirit. So by the spirit, a person can be a sufficient minister. This is what he's saying. So the graces of God can be made available to a person by the spirit, but that's not all there is to it. It can be communicated. Are you following me, everybody? Romans chapter 1 and verse 11 begins to tell you what I'm talking about. The Bible says, For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gifts so that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith of both you and me. You see, as an objective Bible teacher, one day I looked at this text and I said, Skeptics, skeptics might be right. Skeptics say, you know what? He was not saying he wanted to impart in them spiritual gifts because it's the Holy Ghost that gives gifts. It's not Paul that is going to give gifts. That when he says he wants to impart in them some spiritual gift that he wants to heal the sick, that way he's imparting a healing into the sick. You see? So, I thought of it. I said... How do I explain this? Are you seeing what I'm saying? How do I explain this? How many of you see what I'm saying? That I want to see you, that I may impart to you some spirit. So, he might saying he just wants to, you know, heal them in the places and, you know, impart in them in the places. So, he wants to share. Because the, impact, the word impartation there is that you want to share a gift. But the moment I read 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14, I knew that this was a doctrine consistent with the Apostle Paul. And it was not just a one-time thing. So, the Apostle Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14. He says, Do not neglect the gift that is in you which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the apostles, of the elders, of the presbyteries. Meaning that the theology, the doctrine of laying on of hands is a biblical one that was not mentioned in one place that is emphatically mentioned for you to have two mentions. And not just two mentions, it's consistent in the Old Testament as well. So now you begin to learn that even though the Holy Spirit gives gifts and it gives graces, there are graces that can be communicated by touch, by the laying on of hands of the apostles. There is a way, charisma can be communicated and it's by the laying on of hands. So gifts can be activated through the touch of the elders. 
And if you don't learn this single principle, you will struggle with others are soaring in grace. I'm telling you. I wanted to call it a secret, but I say it's not a secret. It's a principle you just haven't learned or mastered. Are you getting what I'm saying? There are many things you will struggle to attain that would have been otherwise easier if you learned the single principle that the graces I have coveted for so long, I can receive just by a touch. The things I want to see in my life, I can break the protocols of this natural world just by a touch. Just by a touch. Just by a touch. That by the leaning on of hands of elders, certain graces can become available that would not have been so otherwise. I can see my life change from that moment. I will never take it for granted again. Never. 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 I have a lot to teach because I want you to learn by precepts, by teaching, and by example. Tell you categorically, I have a friend, her father. He just stood at the car park of Bishop Oedipo. As Bishop came down, plenty of people were thronging past. Bishop just touched him and said, Ah, my son, Bishop has never met him. He said, My son, go in grace and he continued walking. He said, When everybody was rushing after Papa, he just stood there like this. He just. <laughs> He soaked that one touch in. He soaked it in. He just stood there like <laughs> He prayed. You know prayer that your voice is in your chest. <laughs> he soaked. <laughs> when he flows in the supernatural like this. And some of you might know the person. It's the Nelson's father. He told that story many years ago. I was in their church one time. I see your ways. Have you not heard of people? Someone is preaching on this in the TV. They will feel oil drop on their head like this. And in their spirit, they know that something has come upon them because their, their hunger and honor level attracted that thing. Should I be doing prophecies are not real, supernatural? They dear. <laughs> we that we know what we are looking for. When you say it's God that will give me the gift, it's not men. They, they, they. Where Peter, where writes the first Peter and second Peter, they go meet Ananias, me lay hands on them. You, you are doing. It's not men, it's not men. Ananias will not an apostle. They say it's only apostles that can. As in, they, they. So, listen. I'm going to give you a few points and then we will round up. Number one, believe in supernatural graces. What did I say? Believe in supernatural graces. Believe that there is a supernatural world. Believe that the grace of God can change your life. Because you have to first believe. You have to first believe. You have to first believe. Are you listening to me? You have to what? First believe. Number two, prepare. The day that he said your teaching graces are sharpened, someone annoyed me. I wanted to go and sit down in the gallery. What happened? I wanted to sit where I needed to sit. But I slept off in the gallery. By the time I woke up, they had chased everybody out of the hall to restructure. So when I woke up, I was already in the hall. Do you understand what I'm saying? Then I went downstairs and the head usher told me, uh, see you, you are doing Cairo sleep. I felt so insulted that you think I will go and hide upstairs because I want to sit in front when you chased everybody outside. Well, I felt insulted. I was so angry that to prove to him I was going to go and sit down in the gallery. But the Holy Spirit corrected me instantly. This is all a distraction. You know what you are here for. So I still went and I sat down in that. I, I put my Bible there comfortably. I sat down in that front. 
and immediately the service started. Pastor looked at his right hand side and he said, Mike, quiet. So, prepare from where you sit to how you react. Every single thing. I taught a girl this principle, myself and Ikoroduma people, many years back. Her name is Becca. I taught her that principle and in that reboot camp, Pastor laid hands on her. I'm telling you, I've seen it replicate. The moment you can be like the woman with the issue of blood, you once, once the man of God looks at you like this, you go draw the world come out. Ah, I'm telling you, I've taught somebody. She did everything we taught her to do. She prayed before the meeting, two hours, three hours. She was expectant. She not let anything distract her. She made sure she sat in a good place. She was ready to receive. And she was called out. And it happened to her. God sees. God sees. He sees. He sees. And you might be at the back seat. But he sees. He sees. So prepare. Number three. Honor. If you don't honor it, you can't receive it. Honor is the foundation of every other thing. Honor will drive the hunger and will drive every other thing. So honor. Number four, hunger and desire. Stare it up. Just be, look at that thing. I remember one day, Pastor said he doesn't know how he does it, that he functions like three. So, do you see why I gave you that analogy of who do I sound like? It's not possible for me to sound differently when graces have been communicated on me. Are you getting what I'm saying? It means that Pastor did not do a lesson on how he builds his notes for me, but by supernatural intervention, I know how he structures his notes. Did you hear what I'm saying? By supernatural intervention. It's not because I was looking for it. Just by supernatural intervention, you hear us and say, Ah, you sound like somebody I know. You look like somebody I know. No, it's a grace. Maybe why God put the resemblance there is because he won't he, maybe he knew I'll be as strong and I'll be following another person. But when I say that I resemble the pastor, and people say, Ah, you look like the pastor, you must be the pastor, I will not go to another church. To show me that, see, this man follow him, follow him. Do you know, do you know what I'm saying? The day I went to CCI first, I wanted to go to another church. There were two options I had. As I got to him, you look like Pastor Aaron. I said, who is Pastor Aaron? Like this, that is what I'm talking about. I knew him, but like, I didn't know like the full story of who he was and everything. It was my first time. My friend had just invited me then. I'd heard about him from school. I listened to some sermons, but it was because I look like. I'd not seen him. But I mean, I'd not seen his face too many times. It was just audio I was always listening to. And now I saw the banner. I did not see the resemblance. Everybody kept on saying it. Someone said, are you past this brother? I'm telling you, up to five people said it. Are you past this brother? Are you past this brother? He heard in Abuja that there's a guy that looks like him in Lagos. So before I got to know him, God had opened a way of association between us. Do you know what I'm saying? Before I met him, God had opened a way of association. So can I tell you something? Even if I was not serious, you already knew me as a member of this church. So there was a, there was a focus. Many times. Times when I want to build a relationship with him, all of a sudden, God just arranged it. Pa, pa, pa. It's there. Everything is working out well. I was like, God, what's that? I want to talk to Pastor about something. All of a sudden, God will just do something. Poof, it will be there. Some of you that are angry, I know what you are expecting. Because my whole spiritual father too is busy. He's <laughs> busy. But the Lord just finds a way. Many times, it's by listening to his sermon, all my questions will be answered. Have you seen what I'm saying? Many times, something will just happen. The way I found myself on the, on the same group chat with him and we are praying every Friday is God. Are you listening to what I'm saying? It's God. It's God. I did not lobby for it. I'd already just focused on my work. That whatever happened, Jerry, we don't have to do our ministry then go. <laughs> but it happened, it happened. And he was the, guess what? He was the one that told them to add me to that group chat. So me, I even thought it was not even care. Is it there? Is my pastor there? I want to talk to my pastor. He's too busy. <laughs> he said, add, add Mike to the group. And I got to the group and I saw this OG man of God. I said, Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> what am I doing here in the midst of this council of wise men? Are you getting what I'm saying? This is also an encouragement for you. Just continue your walk. Don't let offense in your heart. Just continue your walk. Just continue. You don't know who is watching. 
And that's the thing about pastors as well. We see the things you do. It's not like we don't see it. We see. But just continue your walk. When the time is right, everything would align. Hallelujah. Number five is discernment. Discernment. After hunger, you must have discernment. You must be able to discern seasons. You must be alert in those times. Discernment. Number six, joy. Joy! It gets as you go receive impartation where if joy no day, you know if you receive them well. I'm telling you. Because what joy does is that it teaches and it shows how much you savour the, 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 the gifts you receive. How much you value the gifts you receive. And if truly you've received something powerful, the way you respond will matter. Unless you are not truly convinced in your heart that you've received something. Joy is always the response. And then number seven, it doesn't matter the impartation you receive if you cannot stir it up. So number seven, stir up. Stir up. Put it to use. Do. Okay. I'll put seven, stir up. I'll put eight, take actions. Because it doesn't also matter who you are. You'll be an empty gun. If you have a gun and you can't shoot, you'll be useless. That's the word. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So, Take actions with the graces that you've received. Hallelujah. Just pray one minute that, Lord, I, I, I set my heart to receive encampment. I'm hungry for an impartation. Place your focus now. I know there will be more time in your personal times of prayer to still pray this prayer, but in this one minute, pray! And stand up your expectation. Visualize what you want to see next year and what you want to receive this year for that work next year. Stir up a hunger for it. Stir up a desire 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 for it. Stir up! Be expectant for it. Be expectant for it. I'll give you two minutes. Wherever you are,